an Inside Dirt Network podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Today, it's tested. We're talking bike tests. Plan on doing a lot more of these. I just got to find the time to line them up. They are quite time-consuming to get them done. Um, this one is kind of from the archives a little bit. Back in August, I got to test the 2020 uh, Yamaha YZ450 at the Yamaha launch, and they had the CDR Yamaha factory bike of Kirk Gibbs, um, the 450 that he competed on the MX Nationals this season, that we got to take for a spin. And um, with the hecticness of Supercross coming up and a bunch of other things, I just didn't get around to recording this podcast. So here we are. It's a little bit late. I think it's a few months out from when I wrote it, but I've got some notes. Definitely remember how it felt because you don't forget how it feels riding a factory bike. I'm going to tell you that one right now. And yeah, we're going to talk about the tested um, ride and review of the CDR Yamaha Monster Energy MX Nationals machine of the number five of Kirk Gibbs on the Inside Dirt Network. Thanks for listening. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed all the Supercross content that we put out, all the live shows. The download numbers have been great. And um, really want to keep that rolling. I've got some cool rider um, interviews and a few of the conversation uh, podcasts presented by Recoverate. They're going to be dropping um, over Christmas in January. I've got some good good riders lined up. I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag just yet who we've got, but we've got some pretty big names that we'll be doing some in-depth interviews with and uh, continue to grow this platform. And uh, yeah, plan on growing this tested platform too. Want to ride more bikes, want to test more products. A lot of things I want to get moving. Um, but like I said, first year of the pod, first year of the network, we're still growing this thing. So here it is, the CDR Yamaha Monster Energy bike test of Kurt Gibbs YZ450. So story goes like this. We were out at Yamaha Park 4MX, coincidentally, for the uh, Yamaha 2020 launch. And they had the, uh, the CDR Yamaha squad were there, um, Craig Dack. Gary Ben um, and a bunch of the other crew, Aiden, Brad, they were all there helping out with, um, you know, they had the CDR semi there, the truck, um, you know, they were all helping the riders with their settings, set the sag, just basically there to help facilitate the day. And of course, Kurt Gibbs' bike was there. Now, let me tell you what, everyone was probably queuing up to ride this thing from the get-go at the start of the day, but they made a rule that you couldn't ride it until after... Uh, after lunch because the focus was obviously on the 2020 Yamaha launch, not uh, riding Kurt Gibbs bike and doing a factory test. But, you know, everyone that's testing, they were a racer at some point, whether they currently are, you know, like myself, I raced back in the day. And you always wonder what that factory bike feels like. So we actually got to take that out. And um, let me tell you, it was not disappointing at all. In fact, it was uh, quite an experience. So we'll talk about how it fell on the track in a minute. But, um, you know, it's interesting the comparison between a stock bike and a factory bike. And this is something that I definitely touched on. I actually went back and re-listened a little bit to some of the things I said in the 2020 uh, stock Yamaha launch um, and, and about the day. And for these you guys that haven't listened to it, that was back in August. So go back and listen to that because it, it gives you a good perspective on how Yamaha like handled the launch and the PR that came out of the event. We were at the Park Royal Hotel at Melbourne Airport the night before. And, you know, Ben Townley was there. Craig Dack was there. Uh, a lot of the Yamaha ambassadors were there and um, basically a lot a lot of the key um, people involved with Yamaha, they were talking about the fact that Yamaha, um, the Yamaha machine, you know, from an engineering standpoint, they, they come out of the factory nowadays so well and I can definitely vouch for that when you ride that 2020 450 Yamaha, like that thing is next level um, when it comes to a stock bike, like it blew me away how balanced how confident I felt on it, how pliant it was, how linear and usable the power was, like everything in between. It, it, you know, you can see why that bike's won so many shootouts and done so many good things in the media since it was released um, a few months back, right? So, 
that's your base as far as, you know, when CDO Yamaha take delivery of their fleet for, you know, the season approaching, that's their base. And what they were really stressing between Dakar and Ben Townley and, and you know, Townley was vocal in saying that he feels that the CDO Yamaha bikes are some of the best bikes in the world as far as um, a factory race team goes for the Yamaha brand um, because they're not over-engineered. And what we mean by that is they're not looking for, you know, bolt-on aftermarket parts just for the sake of running them. You know, everything is, is uh, stringently tested and if they can't find data um, that's going to improve the performance on the track – they're not going to run the part. And, and that's what's going to surprise you guys when I read through the parts list in just a minute that you'll be amazed that, first of all, a lot of the parts that are on this bike, and they're far and few between as far as bolt-on parts, but you can buy a lot of them. Um, a lot of them are GYTI genuine parts and, and so on and so forth that you can get from Yamaha. But there's very few like exotic products that you can't buy that are like factory spec, quote-unquote, which I think even a lot of the guys competing against like CDI Yamaha at the MX Nationals probably think they've got all this crazy stuff from Europe or America that you can't buy and it's a massive advantage, but it's not the case. These bikes, honestly, they're really um, just a refined and improved on version of the stock bike. But when I say refined and improved, that's for a, a rider at the level of Kurt Gibbs or Luke Clout. It's not for the average guy, you know, and that was something that was apparent to me very quick when I jumped on it. You know, I'm, I'm long past my ability of being able to put in long motos or, you know, I guess run a professional speed. Like, I can go, I can go all right for a few laps, don't get me wrong, but, um, you know, this thing was rigid, it was, it was fast, it was snappy, and it was very aggressive. And if you wanted to go fast and you were fit, like, you could ride this thing and it, it would give you everything you needed and more. Um, but as soon as you shut off the power... Uh, you didn't stay on top of the bumps and you weren't attacking the track. It was a completely different experience. But um, we'll get to that in a minute. So let's talk about this. Now, this is the bike spec sheet um, that Brad sent me over from CDR after the test. So I'm just going to run you through the parts that this CDR uh, 2019 um, Monster Energy Yamaha was running during the MX Nationals. So the GUITR parts that you can buy that are on this bike, uh, the front brake motor, um, 280 mil, so I think that's oversized. Had a braided front brake line, had GYTR engine casing covers, um, some G, uh, GYTR clutch assembly hardware, and basically some GYTR engine components. I didn't get the exact um, breakdown on what those engine components were, but I'm assuming it's something along the lines of like, you know, high compression piston, maybe some cams. I'm not sure, but I mean, the way the thing punched and, and uh, came out of the turns. Um, I don't know entirely, like I said, what those engine components were. We couldn't really get too much of a word on it, but um, definitely had a little more punch than what I'd say the stock linear power did of the 2020. Like I said, not always usable for the average guy, but for someone like Kurt Gibbs trying to hold short at MX National and, and get track position, very important and effective. So, but when you look at that, you know, that that's from the GYTR range. There's five products and, you know, the engine components is probably two or three additional products in there that we didn't get named, but it's not a lot. So we've also got... Um, you know, your chain uh, chain blocks and sliders, um, they're also a GYTR part. And that's it from the GYTR range. Uh, Renthal 996 handlebars, uh, Renthal soft grips with a full diamond um, waffle. Oh, sorry, no waffle, just the, the full diamond. Um, I don't know what that's called. You know, the, the raised diamond grip thing. <laughs> um, Renthal front sprocket, Renthal wrist sprocket. Um, DID chain, it's the gold chain, the ERT3. Um They've got Kite uh, front and rear wheels and hubs, you know, Kite premium 
provider of wheels and hub sets, those things are light and strong. So they were definitely a really cool addition. And I'll put some um, pictures up on my socials. You guys will be able to check this out. Um, but yeah, pretty cool uh, wheel set on the bike. And um, Vortex, uh, now the ignition, big part of what I'll talk about with the engine characteristics, the Vortex ignition uh, on here is a um, obviously the ECU and it is a CDR spec um, for the ECU. So that tells me that these guys obviously basically got their own engine maps that they have ran um, and tested through their riders and through the guys at Vortex. And we all know that DACA and the team certainly, um, you know, they've got a good history for testing. I'll tell some stories about some testing that I've seen them do over the years. And, um, you know, clearly the uh, the specifications they've made for their own ECU settings, they are, they're working, put it that way. So um, there was a CRM carbon fuel... Um, fuel cell and skip plate um the pro circuit exhaust is the titanium ti6 model um top line seat cover and then we've got uh, custom graphics from the fleetwood print group we're running uni filter um air filters now we've got vp uh rue race fuel uh yamalu lubricants and they've got the um KYB factory suspension. Sorry, it's really difficult to read and talk. You know, when I do TV or when I do anything like that, I can't just say what I see. So trying to read and talk, just be patient with me, guys, because it's not the easiest thing to do. Um, so there's a couple of things I want to talk about. We've got the um, factory suspension from KYB. Now, I have been out and been lucky enough to see CDR test at different times, like not open to the public. I've just happened to be around. And, um, you know, I've been out at... Uh, it parked for some years ago when they were testing. They had the guys from KYB Europe over. They were working on, um, you know, whether it, I think it was the Air Forks they were testing out against the spring or, you know, they were basically, I can't remember the exact, I mean, we're going back to 2014, I think at this point. So you're testing my memory here. But, you know, basically it was obviously the entire CDR squad, but then, you know, they had the KYBs over from, KYB guys over from Europe, they were working collectively. And this is something that they talked about in the Yamaha presentation the night before the test also, was that, you know, CDR, they're um, a key part of providing data for Yamaha Motor Group globally as far as like performance and racing goes. So, you know, they work with KYB and they give feedback through the KYB technicians, excuse me, and they're like a valued part of the Yamaha global family. You know, you've got basically Yamaha of MXGP, Japan, Australia, and America. And, and these are the hubs where Yamaha sort of get their data and work with these teams on a factory basis. So um, really cool to see that the CDR Yamaha squad has that much respect and, and pull in the industry to be able to draw that kind of support from, um, you know, from these uh, key you know, component manufacturers such as KYB. And um, it just says factory suspension. We couldn't really get a rundown as to what was in there or I didn't really ask too many questions. It was more just a privilege to be able to ride the bike. Um, but we'll talk about how that suspension fell on the track in just a minute because, uh, man, it did feel different to stock. I'll give you that. Um, the other thing to talk about is the Dunlop tires. Obviously, they've got here the uh, Geomax tire with the Moose Tube. Um Factory Dunlops, the word on the street, CDI Yamaha, the only guys getting those factory Dunlops in the pits in Australia. I know a few different teams have, have had access to them over the years, and it's something that's somewhat elusive. Like you hear about guys talking in the pits, like, oh, they got factory tires, and oh, it's worth this many seconds a lap. <laughs> Could tell you what, the tires I was riding on the Kirk Gibbs bike, they were definitely worth some time each lap. The, the feel, the consistency, 
the tack on the front end and the traction on the rear and the ability to lean that bike in and not be worried about it washing out, next level. So I'm not going to speak on exactly had what those tires had going on, whether they're exclusive, you can't buy them retail. That That's my understanding. Um, but like I said, I'm not going to speak for it as say it's fact because um, you hear all the pit gossip and whatnot. But I tell you what, they were definitely didn't feel to me like tires you could buy off the shelf. I'll tell you that right now. So, um, you know, even with the moose tube, you know, normally the moose has a little bit more of a rolly feel and it, it, it kind of takes a few laps as a rider to get used to the front end and the side will kind of flex in a bit more when you're coming in on the pegs and, I've never been a big fan of that feel of tires rolling underneath you. It kind of makes me nervous. I'm not the biggest of front-end riders anyway. I like to steer with the rear. So, you know, if you run a moose at a high-speed moto track and, and you've got edges and it's kind of rolling and flexing underneath you, oh, man, it sketches me out sometimes. But didn't feel like that at all. And, and it was super hard-packed, really fast later in the afternoon at Pipe 4 MX. Um, but, yeah, the tires, man, they held up great. Um, they were insanely grippy tacky and you could pretty much put the bike wherever you wanted so i'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute on how it felt so anyway let's get to it guys so we'll build a comparison picture right i didn't ride the 2019 450 yamaha in a stock form but i rode the 2020 okay so the improvements on the 2020 were basically you know mid-generation refinements it's two years into its lifespan of typically a four to five year generation model is what we see manufacturers run dirt bikes for um so, you know, two years in, it's had these refinements. These refinements now for the 450 Yamaha, they're probably going to run through the remainder of this generation's lifespan until Yamaha change it up, right? So, big changes, but subtle changes for Yamaha. They changed some suspension components. They, they, they did a lot with the centralizing the mass of the motor with the gearbox and also, um, you know, the internal weight of the motor, the inertia and the frame rails and, and basically changing the bike's feel as far as the centralized mass and the inertia to be able to turn the bike and put the bike where you wanted it. And the 2020, like I said, go back and listen to that review. Fantastic bike. I can see why it's done so many good things in the media and the shootouts because this thing is it's really next level when it comes to flickability and being able to put the bike wherever you want it. Um, linear power, really, there's two engine curves. You've got your aggressive curve and, and more of a user-friendly curve. Um, either way, the bike's a winner in my opinion as far as, as the way the motor characteristics are. But, you know, you compare that now to, I rode that in the morning, you know, quite a lot, did a lot of laps. Then we went out and rode the uh, CDR factory Yamaha bike that Kirk Gibbs raced. This is the bike that Gibbsy rode um, at the last round of the MS Nationals at Coulomb. It's exactly how it was. They cleaned it up and it was given to us to test. So you want to talk about a bike that is race ready, race trim. Here it is. Very rare opportunity you get to, to do this, but the guys at Yamaha and CDI were, were nice enough to do it. So it was a really cool experience. So anyway, a couple of the uh, riders got out on it first. Um, Cause like I said, there was a big line and it was just like, I think one of the uh, other testers from maybe dirt action or something came in and I just, I just jumped on the thing and, and uh, jumped out for, I think I did five or six laps and first impressions. So first impression was as soon as I sat on the thing, I was like, okay, this bike's rigid. You could just tell that, um, you know, compared to the stock bike, like you had the, the 996 uh, rental handlebars, which obviously um, they've got the crossbar, a little bit more rigid than, you know, the, the stock bars that come out. It was in a bit more of an aggressive position with, with bar um, settings, like, you know, like a race position that Gibbsy had it in. So instantly you feel like the bike's a little bit lower underneath you um, and you jump on it and you drop your ankles on the pegs and you ride through the pits, the suspension doesn't really move. <laughs> so for any of you guys that have rode supercross settings, like I wouldn't say it felt that rigid riding through the pits and on the track, 
but it wasn't that far off. So I was like, okay, instantly you know that, that this thing is going to be rigid. It's, it's designed to be ridden aggressively and it's designed to stay on top of the track. And what I mean by that is the suspension settings and the rigidity of this bike, um, for those of you guys that are unaware, typically if you watch the fastest riders in the world, their bikes are extremely rigid because they have to hold up and be predictable at high speeds and big impacts. And in motocross and supercross, that means a rigid chassis and a rigid suspension setting because if the bike's soft, it's going to it's gonna blow through the pockets of the bumps and the transition and the jumps. It's going to deflect. It's going to get caught up and then it's going to unload. So, you know, the key to being able to ride a bike like this is staying on top of the track and going extremely fast with your rolling speed. And, um, you know, the biggest thing I've always talked about with this is when you watch Dean Ferris when he was on CDO Yamaha, his bike settings when he was riding the track by himself, if he had clear track out front, which was the majority of the time, he was able to ride a different track to everybody else. And what I mean by that is his rolling speed and momentum was so strong that he could stay on top of everything. He could wheel tap the bumps. He could stand longer in the turns, stay with his feet on the pegs coming out, get back on top of the chop and, and really not drop into the rest of the racetrack that a lot of the riders do. As soon as I jumped on this bike, I was like, yep, I get it now because that's how it felt. So I pretty much rode for maybe half a lap cruising and I was like, okay, this bike does not want to be cruised. There's no point. It's time to get into it. So pretty much hammered it from there on out. And um, that's where you start to notice this bike coming into its own. So we talk about the, let's talk about the chassis and the suspension first. Um, Rigidity, yes, very rigid, but also not harsh feeling whatsoever as long as you rode it the way it was intended. So what I mean by that is, like I said, if, if I was wide open in a straight line, if I tapered my throttle, if I stayed on top of the braking bumps coming in, and if I was able to roll my throttle coming out with that rolling speed, the bike was a pleasure to ride. Like, honestly, it was next level. Like, the way the chassis would just stay on top of everything, not deflect. Um, don't get me wrong, it was rigid if, if I messed up, but as long as I kept that rolling speed and um, didn't have to stop starting the ruts and I could flow through, um, the suspension was great. <laughs> but what comes with that is there's no, oh, what's the word? If you're a weekend warrior or if you're a guy like me that doesn't get to ride a whole bunch anymore, you can't maintain that intensity for more than two or three laps. And that's pretty much where I was at. So after two or three laps, I was like, man, I was starting to pump up. My heart rate was really high. I was starting to hit that lactate level. I started dropping in and I couldn't maintain that rolling speed through the sweeping turns anymore. Couldn't stay on top of the bumps coming out anymore. And as soon as that happened, this bike was really difficult to ride. And, and I mean, really difficult. Like it went from being really fun and, and an amazing experience to going, okay, this is why I don't race anymore. <laughs> this is why I haven't raced at a professional level for a very long time because you know, the, the track keeps coming at you and this bike wants to be ridden hard. And if you're not in a position to do it and you're getting tired, this thing is, is no fun to ride. So that's why it's a factory level bike for the elite races, um, such as Kerr Gibbs, because they have the fitness and they have the skill to ride these things for 30 minutes at that speed. Um, definitely wouldn't advise, you know, the, the types of suspension settings that you just wouldn't run them as a local guy or, or a state level guy, or even honestly, a guy at the MX Nationals is probably outside of the top 10. These settings, these parts, this motor would not help you one bit. And I think that's a big misconception. Everyone goes, oh, if I could just get on one of those bikes. Like, man, I felt like if I could have got on that bike, maybe in my prime, possibly it would have made a difference. But for the most part, this thing was was super gnarly to ride as far as you had to be on it 24-7 and have a certain skill set and riding style to make it um, effective for your riding on the track. So... Um, the other thing to touch on with the suspension was the rigidity as far as 
um, you know, the Park 4MX track, a lot of big jumps, but a lot of them on a 450, you know, there's no massive booters out there at Park 4 that you're having to stretch on a 450. So a lot of the time you are scrubbing, you are rolling off the throttle and, you know, dropping your elbow and, and kind of scrubbing some speed on a lot of these jumps to catch the downside. But with how fast this engine was, and we'll get to that in a minute, I was honestly struggling to touch downside on a lot of these jumps out of the turns, a lot of these jumps in between third and fourth gear down the straights and like the rhythms. In the end, I was like, I had a bit of fun with it for a lap. I was like, I'm just going to overbomb, overjump everything and let's just see what happens. Um, And it honestly felt better, which I think contributed to me getting tired a lot quicker than I wanted to. But, you know, um, barring a few of the jumps that you had to downside, like there's a few big step ups out the back and some tabletops. And I was like, screw it. I'm just going to flat bomb them, see if my hand blows off or see if it hurts or see you know, let's test this suspension. And, and honestly, it felt better, which kind of blew me away a little bit because I was like, wow, you know, this isn't Supercross settings. These are decent sized jumps. And, and I was landing in chop, landing in square edges, like jump into the flat on third, fourth gear jumps just to test this bike out. And not only was it holding up and not blowing through. And what I mean by that is I, I wasn't losing the bike underneath me as in wasn't blowing through the stroke. My, my, my suspension wasn't bottoming out. Like it was squatting and driving as soon as I landed with the power on going to the flat, going to the bumps, braking bumps, acceleration bumps, whatever it was. Um, and that to me was a, a big, um, I guess eye-opener would be a little bit of the word, um, but man, the, the KYB suspension on that bike, the factory components that are inside, it, it, it can hold up to a lot of stress, a lot of um, force on the landings. And when you race the MX Nationals, for those of you guys that have, you know how rough the tracks get. For those of you that haven't, you really don't understand until you ride those tracks, like how gnarly the acceleration chop is. Like, how harsh the square edges are and how deep they are, but also like your deceleration, like how much the, the bumps kick and unload you because they're, you know, they're not, um, they're not slower level rider bumps. They don't form early. Everyone's breaking late. So you're hitting these bumps a lot with a lot more force because you're, you know, you're 10 meters further down the track before you'd break than you would be at a local event. So um, obviously the bike has to hold up to that force and the suspension settings in the chassis and, and they certainly do that. Um, so yeah, that was sort of the chassis and the suspension feel, like I said, amazing feeling of, I felt invincible. Like when I went out there on the first two laps and got into it, like I was over jumping, I was scrubbing, just hammering through the sweeping turns, making myself sound faster than I am, but it's cool. We'll go with it. Um, but yeah, it felt great. Um, I felt great, but as soon as I got tired, man, that suspension went from zero to a hundred real quick in my ability to stay on the track even and not get deflected and just get swapped out like it really like i said it hit home quick that hey this bike can only be ridden um at an aggressive elite pro level speed um which is fine because that's what it's designed for but not designed for guys like me that can do three or four laps nowadays at speed and then struggle so uh that was kind of the suspension in the chassis so i think the next thing to talk about after that we'll go to um you know how did uh, the motor feel. So like I said, the 2020 Yamaha, very linear power, which my definition of that would be when you roll the throttle from the wrist, the feel from the wrist to the rear wheel, instant. There's no lag. There's no hit. It just drives. You know, it's it's characteristic that Yamaha have developed, KDM, Husqvarna, excuse me, they're really strong at doing that too, you know, and, and the new Kawasaki, the, the 450, the 19, the 20, they've adopted that characteristic too where you roll that power, it doesn't bang it drives and you can feel the rear wheel squat and you can feel the rear wheel drive from your wrist. There's no delay. It's instant. It's kind of like that electric feel almost, let's say. Maybe a slight exaggeration, but you get the point I'm trying to make, right? So if the if the stock bike was linear, it didn't have a hit, the factory race bike 
was the complete opposite. Okay. Like I said, if I could roll my turns and carry that suspension over the bumps when I was going the fast, the first few laps, third gear out of the turn, little, like little clutch flick, little roll of the throttle, no problem. It would pull and it would keep pulling, you know, but it was an aggressive pull. So what I mean by that is the stock motor is linear and it's going to keep building revs. The, the spec of the uh, Vortex ignition with these CDR settings in this Yamaha 450 and like I said with the, the GYTR internal components in the motor, this thing barked and it pulled instantly. So like I said, you'd roll the turns in third, you'd get out the other side, a little clutch pop, little roll and it would be right up there instantly. The revs would increase and you'd feel the thing ah, like it would just be ready to go. So again, that works great <laughs> when you can go at Kurt Gibbs, you know, entry speed for, well, not that I could match Gibbs' entry speed, but you could go that, you know, pace for a section or whatever. The bike felt incredible. You know, if you put the suspension, the chassis together with the motor and how aggressive that engine was when you needed it, like you can just see how those guys get good starts. They get good track position and, and they're able to go as fast as they are. Uh, with that being said, the downside to that again is when I couldn't roll my entries, when I made a mistake, when I was tired, if I had to come to a slower point in the turn in a rut and I dropped down to second and I would hit it a little harder to make up for that lack of entry speed, boom, the thing would just light up and it would hit hard and, and you could feel it, you know, the vibration and just the, the raw aggression of the motor. Boom, like it would, it was quite an experience actually. I mean, I've ridden some fast bikes in my time, but this thing, man, it definitely had some go to it. And, uh, you know, again, usable power, yes. When you need it to use it off the start, you know, they've got, Obviously, CDR have refined this um, this Vortex ignition with the start settings, with the track settings, and this thing gets good starts. I can see why instantly, and it's very usable on the track for a pro-level guy, 110%. Um, for your average guy to jump on it, like I said, even the riders in MXN that are saying, you know, oh, man, if I could just have that bike, I'm not so sure a lot of guys would benefit from it, honestly, in my opinion. I think this is a highly refined machine that, uh, man, it, it needs to be ridden a certain way. So, um you know, the motor, usable, yes, if you could ride it correctly. Usable, if you weren't riding it the way it's designed, no, it would blow you out within a lap if you were, you know, coming to a stop, dragging the back brake, popping the clutch, dropping down too many gears, stop starting, like you're trying to ride a 250 or a stock 450, even some, you know, brands maybe. Um, no, you would be in a world of trouble very quickly. So that's kind of where the motor's at. Um you know, it's usable, but it hits with a punch and um, it's aggressive. The overrev kept going, but it definitely wasn't a linear feel. I think that would be my summary. It was a far different feeling from the stock bike to the factory race bike. User-friendly, yeah, in the right hands. Other than that, like this thing, like I said, um, what would I prefer to ride? It would be the stock model because obviously I'm not a professional rider. I'm not a professional racer and I'm not fit enough to go fast enough and aggressive enough or long enough to make this chassis and motor setting work. But man. I'd say if, if one day any of you guys get the opportunity to ride a bike that's at a factory level like a CDR team, you should definitely take it because it's an eye-opener. So, um, you know, that was pretty much where the motor was. Um, and now I think, you know, we could probably talk about the tires a little bit. So, like I said, uh, Dunlop, the GMX Dunlop's got the Moose Tube. Um, like I said, probably should have got some more context to this, but I'm just going to throw it out there. If I'm wrong, I'm sure some of the industry is going to hit me up, but I'm pretty sure that these are tires that you can't buy off the shelf from Dunlop. They are a factory tire because um, they sure as certain didn't feel very standard feeling to me. And what I mean by that is um, everyone says they're good for two seconds a lap. That's like the, the industry thing you hear in the pits. Like, oh, factory Dunlop's too good for two seconds a lap. Uh, I'm not going to disagree with that because I felt 
pretty much invincible leaning into turns. Like I said, normally the, the moose feelings kind of rolls the sidewall. I'm not a fan of that. Normally on production tires, it kind of makes me nervous on the front, like I said before. But these tires, when they roll, uh, you didn't really feel it. It just felt more like it was com- complementing the, the compression of the front end or the acceleration compressing of the rear end out of the turn or into the turn. And I felt like I could stand in the turn longers. Longers. I felt like I could stand into the turn longer. Um, I could drag my front brake a little bit more aggressive. I could carry more entry speed. And I could turn the bike off the front wheel more than I'm usually comfortable doing on a stock production-based bike. Like I said, um, I have an ACL on my left knee. I get a little nervous with the front end stuff nowadays just because, man, it hurts when you pop your knee out riding. So uh, I try to turn more with the rear wheel nowadays because I'm old and slow. But I really got into the front end feeling with these Dunlop tires and I felt like I could put the bike where I wanted it, when I wanted it, and I could turn more aggressively off the front. I could get lower and then I could obviously accelerate and squat the rear end harder and it didn't break traction. But the front end feel to me with these Dunlops, um, that was a big improvement on anything that I'd felt um, you know, say on the stock bike that day. So to me, they're, they're doing something right with those tires and those settings. And, um, like I said, I'm a believer because I, I really, I, I was a privateer, um, racer guys. I, I wasn't, I never landed on a factory team. Um, any support I did get team based, I definitely didn't have, um, access to factory tires. That's for sure. So, uh, that was an eye opener for me and, and geez, in my early thirties, I finally got a chance to ride them. And I can say that uh, if there was anything, and I always hear about, you know, guys leaving like a CDR or, or going to different teams from a factory spec team at MXGP or whatever it is. And they're sort of saying, I don't really care about the suspension or the motors. I just want to get factory tires. And I've had a lot of riders say that to me. Kind of never really understood it until now. And I definitely understand it. So, you know, if you're a racer trying to have any edge that you could get from free product or, or even buying them. I know guys have tried to buy them before and it's, it's very difficult to get a hold of them um, for obvious reasons. You know, the tire manufacturers want their specific backed race teams to benefit from their factory tire. They're not just going to give it to anybody. So uh, that's kind of where it's at. Obviously, it makes sense. Um, but if you could get a hold of them, not sure how you would, but if you could, some people are connected, they would definitely make a difference to your lap times. So, um, yeah. Definitely the, uh, the Dunlop factory tires that I rode on the CDI bike were, were pretty impressive. And hey, if I'm wrong and they are off-the-shelf tires, then I guess they're out to lunch. Um, but I don't feel like they were. But if they were, someone hit me up, put me in my place. I'm fine with that. Um, I will amend it on a future podcast. Um, but yeah, guys, I mean, honestly, like I said, that that to me is probably a summary of, of how much you would be surprised that this bike is just a refined version of the... Uh, stock bike that Yamaha produce because they produce such a good standard bike and I'm not sponsored by Yamaha. I actually ride a different brand right now. <laughs> um, but this is just facts. You know, it's a good bike out of the crate. It's highly, highly effective in stock form. And you, you look at, you know, you can read between the lines where someone like Dean Ferris had so much success in America shipping his CDI Yamaha to the States and getting second in a moto, I believe it was at Mount Morris or High Point. And then he lands on the Yamaha factory team in the States and the results don't reflect even close to what he's capable of, in my opinion. That, to me, has something to do with the bike that's probably overly engineered with bolt-on parts, with rigidity, you know, from your triple clamps to your, you know, to your oversized suspension components, whatever it was. I don't know. You know, you can listen to that podcast I did with Dean earlier in the year, um, which was a conversation podcast by Recoverate. And it was, um, you know, him basically saying what he could say 
and trying to explain it, but it, he said the bike didn't share a lot of common traits with the bike that he'd w- ridden and won on so many times in the state uh, in Australia compared to the bike he had in the states. So to me, that was also something Yamaha touched on that at the launch for the Australian, you know, the 2020 Australian launch, the CDI Yamaha team being there, they were just talking about complementing the stock form, running very few factory components that are exotic and you can't get because realistically these 450s nowadays are so good out of the box that you know i'm sure at mxgp there's a lot of stuff you can't get your hands on but a domestic series and and even don't forget like ama is is domestic series it's not mxgp you know there's definitely factory level equipment and teams over there but it's not the same as as the elite stuff in japan and europe so um that would surprise some people i think to see how how many off the shelf parts so to speak you can you can find on these factory bikes, um, you know, other than a few internals in the motor from GYTR and a few um, suspension internals, I don't feel there's anything on this bike you couldn't go by. Well, and the tires, we just covered that. So yeah, interesting guys. Um, like I said, a few months since I've ridden it. So probably a few things I've left out. It just uh, so happened that um, when I did this test, we dropped the interviews from the Yamaha launch day. We dropped the um, the standard 2020 uh, YZ450F um, test and somehow this one slipped through the cracks but I was kind of saving it for a little bit in the future and then I just forgot to record it um, but like I said I hope you guys enjoyed it I hope it gives you a little bit more of an insight into what a you know a factory bike quote unquote feels like on the racetrack like I said I'm not the biggest tech guy but I feel like I can relay how it feels to an audience quite well and that's what I hope I did today um, and yeah thanks for listening like I said I want to do a lot more tested um, podcasts in the future I know there's some industry guys listen to this. So if you guys listen to this and you're, you know, you're a mechanic on a race team, you're a part of a, a race team in some form, shape or whatever, or you're a, a product guy, you make wheels, you make triple clamps, you know, gear shifters, foot bags, whatever it is, um, hit me up. I want to I want to test some product. I want to get it out there as far as what you guys are doing. And um, I can't promise I'll like it, but I'm, I'm a fair tester for the most part. So no, nah, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, if you guys want me to test anything, throw it in the comments throw it in the dms like let's do something i'm keen to test so uh definitely some things i want to line up for more of these tested podcasts in 2020 um but for now thanks for listening to this tested pod on the inside Dirt network it was the 2019 yz 450f of kurt gibbs for the cdr yamaha monster energy team um shout out to all the guys at yamaha for making that one happen i really appreciate it and uh, thanks to you guys for listening and um i'll be back probably next week with some more content with some more interviews with some uh some heavy hitting riders and that's the plan for the off season. We'll just keep the content moving. Uh, So for now, thanks for listening and catch you guys soon.